Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and blessings and welcome to another installment of the Gist for Freedom of Faith. This show is produced by acclaimed historian, educator, and author Leslie Gist and serves as our weekly live online discussion to celebrate the African-American experience by honoring all the people, past and present, black and white, who, with faith and focus, are preserving our rich history through literature, the arts, the skilled trades, and the humanities. We thank you for joining us tonight, and we'd love you to be a part of tonight's discussion by calling in with your comments or questions to 347-324-5552. Hello, this is Leslie Gish. You're listening to The Gist of Freedom. Tonight we have a wonderful guest um, on to talk about breast cancer and breast cancer prevention. Uh, Minister Debbie, are you on the line? Yes, I am, Sister Leslie. Great. Uh, could you please introduce yourself? You have such a, a long introduction. I don't want to leave anything out. So I think it's best that you introduce yourself to The Gist of Freedom audience. Okay, um, first of all, um, Sister Leslie, I I just want to thank you very much um, for inviting me on the show. I feel it's a very um, honor to um, to be here and to impart um, what God has really um, instilled in my life um, to his people. Um, I'm a registered nurse. I have been a nurse since um, 87, over 24 years. Um, I'm also a a holistic integrative health educator. I like to... um, integrate holistic health with conventional medicine. I think that there is still an um, area for conventional medicine in this time uh, because, you know, we're bombarded with so many different, con- you know, conditions that we are, are faced with, um, you know, in, in this society. Um, but also we also need holistic teaching. We need to um, integrate natural therapies um, in addition to conventional. So I try to kind of bring a balance between the two. I'm also a, um ordained minister. I teach Bible studies. Um, that is my passion, um, God first. Um, I've been teaching um, the Bible for over um, 15 years. I'm also a Christian author. My book is Standing and Believing on the Promises of God. It is a daily devotional book, and that book was birthed from a near-death experience that God really allowed me to um, overcome. And so I give all glory to God, first of all, um, and um, that is how some of the natural um, knowledge that God has imparted um, into me through the Holy Spirit, leading and guiding me through a journey, um, how I'm able to help others. And I, I just feel it a, a, a very privilege to um, to be used by God. Wow, that is a lot. Um, I know we're going to observe, you know, um, Breast Cancer Month, and that's why you're here to talk. But you have so much going on. We have to talk a little bit more about you and your book. So can we start with the book? Um, Yes, thank you, um, Leslie. My book is called Standing and Believing on the Promises of God. It is a 120 daily devotional. It is praying the promises of God because I had to stand and believe God's promises. It is my second book. My first book was uh, Standing and Believing on the Promises, and this book was just an extension from that. Um, As I was recovering at home um, from a near-death experience, I had an anaphylactic reaction, 
and I actually stopped breathing, and I was um, resuscitated. But um, I went through a journey where I was so weak, and um, God had to really um, send healing through me, and healing came through his word. And so I looked up 365 promise scriptures in the Bible, and because um, I needed a word every day. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. I started praying those scriptures, but God birthed in my spirit that I need to write those scriptures. And so I started writing the scriptures, and that's how they became writing um, prayers um, based on the promises that I was standing on. And my book um, can be found um, any Christian um, online source, um, Amazon, um, Barnes & Noble, um, ChristianBook.com, pretty much any source. Um, it, it's, it's also on my website, RadiantTreeProductions.com. And okay. so um, how it started. Can, Sorry? Can you, can you give us a spelling of your name? My name is Debbie, D-E-B-B-I-E. And um, Miranda is my last name, M as in Mary, I-R-A-N-D-E-R, Debbie Miranda. Okay. Um, now, how did your your transition, I guess we call it a transition, um, when you introduced, you know, the holistic um, part of your 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 recovery or even, you know, your options, how did that, you know, how was it accepted? In mainstream, with your with the the doctors in the industry, you know, the traditional medicine. How were you able um, to integrate that, and you know, was it received well by your peers? And um, no, it was not. Um, this was in 1995, and um, just as um, there is restrictions um, and conflict um, here in 2012, there was even more back then because. A lot of um, natural therapy was not um, even recognized. Uh, mainstream medicine, um, they basically just um, did not recognize them at all. And it actually started from home because uh, my husband is a medical doctor. And so I received, you know, pretty much all the information that I needed medical-wise, but there was no source of information um, in the, med- you know, as far as um, the natural therapies. And so I had to be an advocate of my own health. And as much as I appreciate medical, uh, mainstream medicine, because they actually was there for me um, when I was um, resuscitated, and they're very good for that. And But, you know, they, they really have not um, openly accepted natural therapy. Now, there are some approved therapies um, that have been accepted, but it is only after um, they've gone through their um you know, extensive research. However, what what is the main conflict is the pharma, you know, the pharma, um, the pharmacy industry, which is really a money making business. And so, um, is it something that's really um, that they have to spend a lot of money on, and they don't see a great return, even though um, the cancer um, evidence, um, as far as healing from of, of cancer, is evident in that natural therapy, um, they would not acknowledge it, so they will not promote it because it doesn't bring in funds. And so um, a lot of, you know, doctors really, um, it's really because of their lack of education, and I think pride has to do, uh, you know, with it a lot. But um, um, 
you know, because patients are not really being um, taken seriously when they ask their doctors, what about this or what about that, that I've heard about. The doctors, they really don't have time, and that's, you know, another whole issue um, with the healthcare, you know, industry. But there are a lot of natural therapies that are really, um, they're evidence of healing. Is there any is there any new trends that you see that they, they are making um, changes, moving towards holistic? Anything, any signs that you see uh, since 1995 to now, positive signs? I definitely see positive signs. One um, um, sign in particular is the feel of acupuncture. Um, some of the insurance companies have now started accepting acupuncture, and they have now started um, um, paying for acupuncture therapy. I actually was able to get acupuncture therapy um, a couple of years ago through my insurance company because they acknowledge that, and chiropractor is another area that they will cover. It doesn't really take an accident, but they will, you know, um, acknowledge those. But those are the only two that I really see, um, um, you know, the insurance company really um, accepting. However, they strictly say any nat- nutritionist or any um, doctor or naturopath, they will not be covering those. Wow. Now, and you also uh, strongly, you know, deeply rooted into um, a Christian. Is it Christianity that you practice in your faith? Yes, it is. Uh, have you seen any changes moving in that direction with spirituality and the mainstream uh, medical industry and insurance as well? Um, as far as spirituality, I do see that they are acknowledging prayer as a form of, um, I, uh, I wouldn't say they go as far as to, to acknowledge it as a form of healing, but they do acknowledge uh, prayer as evidence of patients doing better with um, no matter what condition they are being faced. This, um, the faith that those patients have um, as a result of praying to God and just having someone that they can pray to um, and, and seeing as their healer, I think mainstream medicine have, um, have acknowledged that because I've seen um, several articles on that, and it's been talked about in the field as well. Right. So those are uh, really good signs, and I'm glad that you were able to witness it and you started in, in 1995. And um, let's uh, move on to the, um, the Breast Cancer Month. How long has this, um, I guess, this acknowledgement of breast cancer, this this new Breast Cancer Month um, trend, I guess we could call it, how long has it been in effect? Um, it's it's actually been in effect at least over 10 years. Um, it started with the pink movement, and actually today um, I, I think it, it's starting to come back. However, I don't really see, and, um, the, you know, there have been um, some groups that feel that um, the pink symbol, uh, because there have been some um, controvers- controversial um as early as last year regarding the pink symbol and um, how the money, um, you know, I, I would say funds issue. But um, mm-hmm. I don't really think the money, um, as far as the pink movement, I don't see where it has helped. 
It has helped in the diagnosis, you know, making mammogram more um, readily available, um, you know, to all sex. However, um, there has been controversial as, as far as um, everyone can identify themselves in pink. <laughs> However, what is the pink doing for breast cancer? Because breast cancer still is increasing, I mean, such an astounding rate. And I, I, I think that, um, you know, the, the I'm not saying how the money is being used because I really don't know that, that aspect, but it takes mm-hmm. more than a pink symbol. Mm-hmm. And it takes, you know, um, someone actively uh, pursuing cancer research. And I think that the nat- that's where the natural therapy comes in as well because breast cancer, there's a lot of risk factors for breast cancer, but um, they're only acknowledging when the breast cancer is detected. I don't think prevention is being uh, really acknowledged um, other than, you know, getting the mammograms um, and diagnostically, but there are natural therapies um, and, and really regarding foods and, and, and environmental exposures and hormonal imbalances and just chemicals, so much chemicals that we're exposed to. I think unless they integrate the two, we're still going to be seeing an astounding rate of breast cancer. Okay. Um, say that again, integrate which two? I think that the natural and the, the environmental factors, all of the other things that um, predispose women to breast cancer, I think those have to be integrated into medical streamline in order for us to really see a dent in the breast cancer because, um, you know, we are exposed to um, these days genetically modified foods. Our body mm-hmm. have to try to process those foods, and really the body is not recognizing those foods. And, you know, the foods that we eat, the pesticides in our, bo- in, in our foods, um, the things that we're putting on our body, the parabens, the chemicals, all, all these things that we're bombarded with. And, you know, medical st- mainstream is not identifying those things. And so until those things are identified, I really think that we're going to keep seeing breast cancer beyond diagnostic only. I think medical mainstream, they are diagnosing, they are di- um, diagnosing breast cancer earlier because they're getting that message out, early detection, early detection, mammogram. But I think it has stopped there, but it needs to go beyond that. Are there any myths um, that you would like to bust um, today as far as breast cancer, how you can uh, obtain it, uh, you know, or how you can cure it? Are there any myths out there? that you you are aware of that are just a fallacy? Um, I, I I don't really, um, you know, hear a lot of myths as far as breast cancer. I do know that as far as African-American women, I think mm-hmm. that um, it is a, a fallacy that um, African-American women do not get breast, breast cancer um, you know, more than um, you would say Caucasian woman. And, you know, uh, the American Heart, uh, the American Cancer Association, they, um, they do agree that white women have a slightly increased risk of getting breast cancer. However, 
when African Americans get um, breast cancer, they are the one most likely, unfortunately, to die of breast cancer. Mm, and also, that's terrible. yes, it is. It is. It, it's it's very unfortunate, and um, we need to get um, that information out to the black community. Um, you know, do your breast um, your self breast exam. I think we've gotten away from that because of the rush in life and. Um, you know, the day-to-day rushing, we, you know, we don't take time. Um, you know, use your phone um, to, to set an alarm every month to do your breast cancer. And a lot of times um, we used to, you know, teach um, patients, you know, do it um, after your period, you know, like during your period or just before your period. Those are the times that your breast is more, you know, um, lumpy or, you know, because you're going through um, hormonal balances just before the menstrual. However, um, a couple of days after the menstruation, that is the ideal time to do the breast exam. So we need to be setting our um, our phones or our clocks or whatever it takes, mark it on the calendar, to do a self-breast exam. And we need to get those mammograms. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I want to point out that when African-American, um, you know, do get breast cancer, a lot of time it is at a much younger age than white woman. Um, African-American under 45 years of age, um, are, it's more common for them to get breast cancer than older women. And, you know, um, when, we, when, we, when we talk about hormones, it's all about hormones. When you're talking about breast issues in women, it is a hormone imbalance. So we need to be looking at what are some of those things that are causing this, these hormone imbalances. You know, whether it's the food that we're exposed to, the hormones in the foods, or um, the chemicals. And so that's why we have to, especially for black women, we have to really take care of ourselves because when it is diagnosed, a lot of times it is diagnosed at a very late stage. Wow. Um, I had so many questions, but you touched on so, you answered so many of them. Well, well. When you talk about the um the the self examinations, are you finding women are, are more prone to do it now than before or because you know, I've heard stories that um when you go to um have that examination done it's very painful that they squish your boobs up and um and just you know, tell us give us a bird's eye view of exactly what happens when you have the examination. Well, um the, the self examination. Okay. The um the self examination is very important. Um when I say self examination, um it is when we ourselves take our hand and we go in every area of our breast and we feel for the lumps. And we can um, you know, Google it if we don't really know how to do the breast ex- self-exam because it is important that we know how to do the breast self-exam with our own hands. And, um, you know, there there is a structural way to do it. Um, I know of a woman, um, her, her husband found a lump for her. And so, you know, it doesn't always mean that you have to do that exam, you know, perfectly. You have to get to know your own body, so you have to feel your breasts. We have to get to know our own body, and so we have to feel every area of our breasts. And um, if you feel something very unusual, um, hey, you have to, you know, um, alert your doctor. 
I don't care if it's, you know, if it's nothing, but you can't assume it's nothing because a lot of times we'll say, oh, it's nothing. Uh, or a lot of times we don't really know what to feel, what, you know, what is a true lump. A lump is very hard. Um, it's like a pea size sometimes. And it's, um, you know, we have women that have what they call fibrocystic breast disease, and some women, their breasts are already kind of lumpy and 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 their breasts are very tender, but um, a, a lump is very distinct. It's like a pea-sized lump, and um, it does not, it's not flexible. It's something that you re- is really prominent. And so those are the, what they're actually looking for. As far as the mammogram, um, when a doctor orders a mammogram, some women um, that have tender breasts find it very painful because, yes, you have the machine like a plate, and you know that machine. Um, they have to position your breast on the on the plate uh, or the flat surface of the area, and the machine is mashing down the breast. Unfortunately, because they're taking flat images of the breast, and you know our breasts are not normally flat, so they actually right, right. flatten. Now you, know, you hear some people say, if you don't have it, that machine is going to give it to you. That is another concern. I'm not going to say that that is a myth because, you know, of of how I feel about radiation. Um, You know, they say that it's a small amount of radiation. However, it's still a radiation, and some some women are getting them every six months because of the areas that have concern. They are now, um, um, you know, um, bringing out what they call a digital mammogram, and um, it's just been approved by the FDA, and they say that it is much less um, um, radiation from that machine. Now, not all the um, insurance companies, I don't even know if the insurance company has started. It's, it's such a recent, um, <clears throat> sorry, it's such a recent um, thing that they passed. But this machine for digital uh, mammograms have already been used in other countries. And so we being a developing country, you wonder why these things haven't come to us first. (laughs) However, um, that is something that we can really look forward to. They also have what they call a a breast thermography. It actually detects the heat in the breast. And the theory is breast cancer, um, um, breast cells produce nitric oxide, and nitric oxide produces heat. And so that machine is picking up the heated areas in the breast that really stands out. And so it would tell you these are the areas that you need to be concerned of. But unfortunately, it doesn't replace the mammogram, and it's, it's not covered by the insurance companies. You have to go to, like, your doctor, naturopath, or um, a natural practice that, that uh, provide that for you. But, yes, radiation Do you have any recommendations to, or any websites for these naturopaths? And could you spell it and, you know, take your time and spell out uh, these places that we need to go? Because I'm, I'm, I've heard of it, but it's not common. Yes. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to spell out the, thermo, um, the thermogram because um, a lot of people really don't know about them. Um, mm-hmm. It's called BREAST, um, B-R-E-A-S-T, thermography. And that's T as in Tom, H as in Harry, E R M as in Mary O G um, as in girl R A P as in pony H as in Harry and Y 
thermography. And so you can Google um, breast thermography center, and then it would, um, you know, and a lot of times it's, it's under holistic health, but you can Google breast thermography center, and then you can even put your, uh, maybe your zip code. That's how I find a lot of things by my zip code. And it will give mm-hmm. you the centers that do these um, breast um, thermograms. Wonderful. And um, you mentioned, you know, the different insurance companies accepting these these new um, procedures. How has politics played in in this um, movement for breast cancer uh, and the prevent prevention? Is there anything you would ask either president? You know, you know, we have this serious um, uh, election coming up in a few weeks. What would you ask of um, these the two, um, well, President Obama and candidate Romney, um, as an advocate for breast cancer? Um, I, I first want to bring out that there is a organization. Um, they're not just carrying the pink symbol, but they are. There's an organization called Breast Cancer Deadline 2020. These are a group of women, and, and the organization actually is becoming very um, 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 increasing um, large. Um, it is um, from the National Breast Cancer Coalition. They have a breast cancer deadline now. This group is really getting together and trying to make a difference. They are actually um, you know, having meetings, and they are trying to meet with some of the politicians, some of the, um, the people that really passed certain laws. Um, you know, um, uh, last year um, they were basically saying that women shouldn't have, they don't think that, um, I think the insurance company was getting together with the AMA, the American Medical Association, and saying uh, we don't think that women should have um, mammograms so often. Every two years is fine. Well, for those women that have a risk factor of getting breast cancer at a younger age, you know, waiting can really be detrimental. Uh, unfortunately, mammogram is the um, the the most um, definitive the, the most definitive way of detecting abnormality. Even though the breast thermography um, is also detecting those heat, but when you do a mammogram, it is picking up suspicious area, and they have to follow it up with an ultrasound. However, when they are um, following with an ultrasound, that is when they actually can tell whether it's a nodule or whether it's a, um, a, a just a cyst. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, when you get into politics, um, like what AMA um, did, try, you know, if you, don't, if you say that mammograms should be done every two years, well, try to provide an alternative for women, those, especially those women that have issues. And, you know, um, those, the women that have issues with their breasts, you have to continue to follow um, sometimes every six months with your doctor. You know, ultrasound does not, do not em, em, emit radiation like the mammogram. So that is a much safer form uh, for women who are, um, you know, have those fibrocystic breast diseases um, that they're following those cysts. But the breast cancer deadline, they are trying to, you know, set a deadline to, hey, we want to eliminate breast cancer by 2020. And so um, I would encourage people to Google National Breast Cancer Coalition, um, Breast Cancer Deadline 2020, and really just see how they can um, join this organization and really 
help make a difference because that is a movement that is really going in the political arena of this breast Wonderful. cancer. Excellent. And um, you talked about different um, ways to reduce the exposure to um, the um, X-rays and, and um, things of that nature. What is this I hear about the potassium, that you can take a potassium pill? Yes, you know, when they had that um, radiation exposure um, in Japan, a lot of people was, um, um, it was the potassium iodine that they were taking because what happened, when you have a large amount of radiation exposure, um, the thyroid, it's, um, it is a gland that attracts radiation. And um, the thyroid, um, it can you know, attract the radiation, and it can predispose you to thyroid cancer. So that was the big issue. Um, thyroid cancer is because uh, one of the risk factors of thyroid cancer is increased risk of radiation exposure. And a lot of times it's by um, environmental, not just the rays from the sun, but environmental radiation where um, there is an abnormal level of radiation in the air. And um, a lot of people was going out to get these potassium iodine pills because um, what iodine does, it, um, it absorbs in the thyroid. And iodine protects the thyroid from cancer. I wouldn't say it protects it 100%, but it decreases the risk of, um, of thyroid cancer. But um, so that is... I'm sorry? I'm sorry? Do you recommend that we would take the potassium iodine pill before having these procedures or these uh, tests done? Well, um, I, I couldn't recommend it. Um, I would say that um, it is very important to, um, you know, because um, when they do the, um, the, the, the mammogram, they do put you, um, you know, they put um, a lead thing on it. But, you know, I, I like to cover my thyroid. I really do. So sometimes right. I tell them, raise it up, raise it up more. <laughs> And even when I'm getting, um, you know, any other procedure where, uh, you know, where the, I'm going to be exposed to radiation, I tell them, I, I only like my face to be exposed, <laughs> tell you the truth. You know, you can yeah. request it be put up even more, you know, to, to guard you from the radiation. But um, I wouldn't recommend taking the iodine because, I, you know, I, I really don't know, the, you know, there may be other risk factors um, you know, of certain individuals for taking the iodine. Because some people, oh, thank you. Um, they have low thyroid and some people have high thyroid functions. Well, thank you. And another question I had um, for you regarding genetics. I have a few friends whose moms, um, you know, have breast cancer or had it, and um, they're like in um, panic mode, and they have yeah. to do different things. You know, every so often because it's um, one friend I have is highly um, genetic. She has a few aunts that had had breast cancer. So could you talk about that? Yes, unfortunately, um, there are um, one of the risk factors of breast cancer is genetics, and um, especially if you had a first-generation relative like your mom, um, you know, and even your grandma who had um, breast cancer. Um, they have a, um, and I, I really think, and, and I would tell um, President Obama 
also, you know, those people that have uh, genetic predisposition to breast cancer, um, you know, I I think that they should make it available that gene testing be be done to these people, you know, these persons, and the insurance, you know, company will cover it because a lot of gene testing, the insurance insurance company are saying it's too expensive and we're not going to cover it. That is another thing that we need to push for. You know, there are people that really have concerns, and they really need to be tested because there are a way that they can find out if they carry those genes. Okay. And um, the last question I had um, regarding the breast cancer month is the church. How is um, the black church, and I'm not going to insinuate, um, that you belong to a black church, but how has the church received um, health issues in general, and specifically this one? Yes. Um, I, I belong to a multicultural church. It is predominantly black, but we do have um, other um, cultures. We have Puerto Ricans. We have a couple of other, um, um, you know, persons of ethnic um, other ethnicity. So we like to call ourselves a multicultural church. And that's the um, new trend. I like that. Yes, I find yes, that it's a new it trend is. in a lot of churches. So but ahead. the church is receiving the information excellent. Um, they actually are yearning for the um, information because we have, you know, we have churches and we raise monies for this cause and that cause, but we have people in the church that have high blood pressure, um, diabetes, and so many other conditions. Um, and and it, it it really shouldn't be that way, um, you know. Aside from having faith and praying, we need to be proactive in getting messages to our members. We have to get the um, um, whether it's um, you know health health seminars. We need to have regular health seminars, and um, um, actually uh, we've had a health seminar in our church, and we have uh, plans to ha- you know to continue it. I think the church needs to link with healthcare professionals, and there are different hospitals that the churches can link with um, because they can come out there with buses. Um, you know, we have to link with those that have the resources because a lot of um, African American churches do not have the resources. Um, just as in the black community, a lot of resources are not available as far as medical care. You know, in this day and age, unfortunately. Um, and hopefully, um, you know, we're going to get those um, um, those insurance coverage, and that is one positive thing. But um, we need to get the information to the black churches. African-American churches, they really lack the education that, that is really needed. And so I would um, advise the black community to really link up with those hospitals and those medical associations and try to bring in volunteers that will do those health seminars. Earlier you mentioned environmental factors, and and now you're talking about the lack of education. What do you think about um, integrating this type of education in the curriculum, um, you know, starting from pre-K all the way up through uh, college, where you're teaching um, uh, nutrition and um, healthy living and, and different things of that nature. Is that some way that you think that would help people um, be more proactive and aware of how they can prevent, you know, some sorts of cancers? Um, Knowledge is power. And um, 
You know, the scripture says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And I know we hear that a lot, but it's still true in today's society. And we have, it's just like um, training a child. You have to train that child, um, and you have to um, train that child manners. Um, um, you know, we, we train our children table manners, but we do not train them how to eat properly. And so it has to come from the home as a child because our taste bud, you know, we, we, we get uh, we get addicted to sugar at a very early age. And cancer mm-hmm. thrive off sugar. And so when we, um, you know, when we get a, at a risk factor of developing cancer or, we, you know, we get a, um, a threat of cancer, it's very hard to get rid of the sugars in our diet because we have become addicted to sugar. So we need to start at an early age when they're, you know, walking. You know, we need to stop putting mm-hmm. sugars in our baby bottles as well, trying to get them to drink the milk. <laughs> right, right. So it and, starts and at an early I age. Right. I, I don't know where, which area you're you're from, but I'm from the tri-state area, and the mayor of New York is always in the news, Mayor Bloomberg, um, regarding um, this um, campaign he has against uh, super... Oh. Yes, and sodas. Besides sodas and um, sugary drinks. What is your take on his movement? And is he too extreme? Or, you know, what's your opinion about it? I don't think he's too extreme at all. I think um, the the government has lacked in this area, you know, so much. And it started in our school cafeterias. You know, so much have allowed to to go on in our school cafeterias. We don't know what our kids are being fed in the cafeteria. And, you know, they're, they're being fed these surplus meals and, and these sugary drinks. And they, I, I mean, I was surprised when, I, when they started having soda um, machines in the school's cafeteria. And, unfortunately, mm-hmm. a lot of parents cannot have, you know, they don't have the time to fix their, their kids' lunches, so they depend on the school system. And so I'm glad that he is really taking a proactive um, you know, um, stand, and I think the whole country needs to take a stand. Right, right. And there's a new trend also in New York with these um, rooftop gardens and co-ops trying to bring in um, fresh foods, and um, they also are allowing the farmers to come in and accept, um, like, um, I don't know, I know when I was going to food stamps, but it's something else. Um, different types of government aid um, for, you know, um, low-income people. Um, is that a new trend that you can appreciate, or do you see that? Have you witnessed anything of that nature? Yes. Living in Florida, I don't see it as much. We're in, in South Florida down to the bottom. So we actually okay. have a lot of farms, but down here we are encouraging people to, you know, to support the local farmers. However, I do know even in Philadelphia, um, I, I know a young lady, she is actually starting a rooftop um, garden herself because, unfortunately, even a lot of organic foods are not um, getting to those, you know, the, the community stores. And so when people grow their own, um, you know, pots, you know, a lot of people, they have a myth, um, you know, they feel that there is a myth, well, there is a myth that you cannot grow um, vegetables in pots. It is an mm-hmm. ideal way of growing vegetables. And when you have rooftop, when you have a little patio, you know, even if it starts with a little tomato plant, 
and then you add another and another, you know, plant. That is where it starts, little by little. And so I was very happy to see um, those, um, you know, projects being done in the in the north where there's, you know, rooftop and they don't really have the soil. Um, and even down here, some people that they have, um, you know, they're renting apartments. They don't have the yard space. Um, I think that needs to, you know, be encouraged down here more. I don't see it down here, but I'm so glad that it's starting up there. Yes. And earlier um, you mentioned um, other countries and, you know, we were behind other countries. What country do you think is setting setting, um, the bar high as far as healthy living and cancer-free and, you know, things for um, wellness and doing things the right way? Well, um, I know in... um in the U.K. and England and so forth, a lot of times they have therapies that are being used there, more natural therapies um, that are readily more accepted there than here. We're um, a developing country. And, you know, we, um, like the digital mammogram, um, that was used, it's being used in the U.K., but it's not being used here. And I don't know if it's political or or what, but... um, I don't, and I don't really know exactly what is that, um, you know, the, block, the, the blockage as far as what is being uh, put here or there. But I, I have a feeling it is all political. <laughs> it's political. Mm-hmm. But I'm glad that we're getting some of the therapies. However, the natural therapies, a lot of times, they are more readily accepted in um, other countries than here. And we really have to step up on that. I want to bring out um, genetically modified foods because it has been allowed in this country. Uh, Corn is number one on the list. They have genetically modified corn for so many different purposes other than eating. But um, but what they have done, um, they have allowed, they have um, genetically modified the seeds of the corn that when the corn does grow, one bite from um, the corn from an insect can kill them, can kill mm-hmm. that insect. So they don't have to use pesticides as much because a lot of times these insects have become resistant to pesticides. So they want to make a stronger corn resistant to insects. But it is rearranging the DNA in our body because rats have, have developed tumors when they have consumed these corn. But the FDA, time and time again, have allowed things and they have passed things that can be detrimental to us. And since genetically modified foods have have been allowed in this country, whereas there are other countries that they are labeled, and this government would not even allow genetically modified foods to be labeled, we deserve a right to know what we're eating, that we can make a choice. And the genetically modified foods, um, you know, since they've come out, there have been increased allergies, increased cancers. Um, it is just um, really, really um, pathetic what has been it's allowed in this country. It's, devast- it's absolutely devastating. Um, and and, and I've, I've read somewhere that this, they're also making everything seedless so that you can't grow your own food. Isn't um, that something? It, that That's incredible. <laughs> that is one way you, you can determine whether something right. is, you know, is modified. Um, when you have a watermelon that don't have any seeds, something's wrong. <laughs> right, right. 
And, you know, our, this is our show is usually a celebration of black history, so we have to mention um, a George Washington Carver. And um, I don't know what he would think about these modified foods. And, I mean, it's just terrible. But, you know, you're a woman of God, and I know you say grace over over food. Uh, what do you have to say after this show to people? That- I When I pray over my food, I bless and I sanctify it. <laughs> I have to speak life over to my food, you know, over my food because, you know, God came to give us life and life more abundantly, and he came, he gave us the fruit and the, you know, and the seed and the herb, you know, um, as food. However, when our foods are being tainted with and modified, you know, we don't really know because they're not labeled. And so it is important, even um, there was an, um, you know, um, unfortunately Whole Foods, um, they have um, been, um, you know, they, they're, I don't know if it's money-making business or what. Um, I love to shop at Whole Foods, but not everything at Whole Foods um, or, you know, uh, free of um, genetically modified foods, which is so sad. You know, this is a, a store that really promotes organic. And if right. it's organic, it's supposed to, you know, it, it's supposed to be free of genetically modified but I, well, I always was suspicious of the meat because, you know, like the last 10, 10 15 years, chicken legs are extremely big. They're bigger <laughs> than the whole chicken. Yes. So I was a little leery of, you know, I mean, something's not right with these eggs. The eggs are humongous. So, you know, it's it's very scary, and I don't know what we can do but pray and hopefully get involved with the politicians and people like you. Um, are out here telling us, you know, what to be aware of and who we can uh, talk to and who are the advocates and lobbyists um, that we can join forces with. But um, um, I really appreciate what you're doing, and and I'm definitely going to ask you to come back on the show as an expert on many topics because um, I'm enjoying this conversation immensely. But before we um, end this conversation, could you please give the audience your name, and all your contact information, the names of your books, everything you think they need to know to reach you. Okay, I would be delighted to do that. Again, my name is Debbie Miranda. You can, I'm actually on Facebook. Um, you can type in Debbie, D-E-B-B-I-E, A Miranda, and, um, you you know, um, you'll pull me up. I, I also have a website called RadiantTreeProductions.com. And that is um, www.radiantreeproductions, productions, uh, radianttreeproductions.com. And my book is called Standing and Believing on the Promises of God. It is a daily devotional book, and it is praying the scriptures. And it is a book for healing of the mind, body, and soul. And, um, I, you know, any questions that you have, um, I'll be free to answer them. Um, uh, most people reach me by Facebook, Debbie A. Miranda. And um, I'm also on Twitter as Debbie Miranda. I'm on YouTube. I have YouTube videos. But if you go to my website, you will see um, all of my links to the, um, the, to the, um, the, the YouTube videos and to uh, my two different um, pages on Facebook. I have a, a page on Facebook called Standing and Believing. 
I offer people to, um, you know, send prayer requests, and then I give them a scripture and a prayer. And, you know, it's something that helps them to stand and believe for, for something they're believing God for. And my other Facebook page is called Radiant Integrated Christian Health. It's an acronym for RICH because we want to be rich in health. <laughs> right. That's so true. And any parting words, um, and I forgot to mention Robin, the television um, personality, the talk show host in the morning. I can't think of her full name. Yes, I had wanted to mention Robin Roberts. Um, Robin is 51 years old, and um, she just was released. She is um, one of the hosts of Good Morning America, and she was released from the hospital the other day, thank God. Um, you know, um, she was diagnosed with um, breast cancer initially, and she got, you know, radia- um, both chemo and radiation for breast cancer. And unfortunately, um, the side effects of um, the chemo is sometimes a condition called MDS, myelodysplastic um, syndrome, and that is what she um, got. It is a disease of the blood and the um, bone marrow. So they had to give her a bone marrow transplant, and thank God she's doing good. But, you know, um, this is a woman, a very prominent woman, and um, lack of resources and funds, funds is no issue with her. So all the more, those that have um, issues with funds, you know, issues with resources and lack the education, uh, you have to make yourself proactive. You have to be your health advocate and, and, and really getting the knowledge um, you know, we have the Internet, so we ha- we are, well, some people, you know, because of economic, they don't have access to the Internet. But you have to find different ways of getting health information, di- different ways of making your, keeping yourself healthy as best that you can. And just be aware of what's going on in the stores and the foods. And um, I w- that's the best advice I can get. Be proactive with your health. You have one life. And you want to live it abundantly. All right. Well, thank you, uh, Minister Debbie. I had a great time, and um, I'm looking forward to talking to you soon. And, you know, have a good night and continue to be a light. Thank you very much. Um, And, again, thank you for um, giving me this opportunity because I I really like to see our people prosper because the Scripture says, um, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prosper. Thank you again. All righty. Have a good night. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye.